Boston Podcast. We're back with another special edition of the Big Go Bell Podcast. Storylines have not made sense from WrestleMania to it's, now. It's been the, the best told story leading into this on WWE. This, this pay-per-view, it feels big, it feels important, but ultimately it's exciting. The biggest thing that, that stood out for me when I seen it, I was like, okay, this has to be a joke. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like... <laughs> All right, welcome, fans, to... Latest episode. I think this may be episode 100. If I'm thinking, and maybe not 100. It is 100. This is Sunday Summers here. As we're in the heart of the year, we're in July. A lot of stuff is going down, both uh, professional sports, wrestling, any type of fighting agencies. And then we got two members of the BGB group here, myself, and then two chains. And we have a special guest. So two chains. How are you feeling? Yo yo, you, you know, chilling. Nothing too much going on. And then we got our infamous Jamal, a.k.a. at Giant Crab, who is one of our, our best Twitter followers, our best engaging correspondents of many levels. Uh, how are you feeling today, Mo? I'm, I'm good. Uh, you can check out my movie reviews at realfilmnews.com. I've seen a bunch of stuff this week, uh, including Tarzan, The Purge. Uh, it's going to be a long week. Good year, gentlemen. Oh, good, good, good stuff. I'm excited about seeing The Purge myself. I know two chains. You're going to see it. Uh, this upcoming Tuesday, and I think we're going to put this episode out on Tuesday. We're even going to record this Sunday. Um, you're coming up to see The Purge. Are you excited about that? This is the trilogy, the third part of The Purge. I'm a huge Purge fan myself. I am, man. I mean, the first one, I didn't think they got it right. The second one, I think they did, and they started exploring how big of this, you know, this genre or this, you know, this convention for a movie they can get. So I'm actually kind of excited to see, like, do they capitalize off of the second one to go bigger? Or is this just a, another tragedy of a third, of, of a trilogy? Now, let me ask you this, Jamal. Do you think there should be seven purges, or we don't need to have a Saw reboot of, of, in a purge for, formation? I think that as long as they can keep the storyline going in a, in a productive manner, because they did at first, I think, the story was interested enough to make you want to know, well, how do we get to this point? Exactly. And the second one opened the, enveloped the curtain a little bit more, and the third one, which says, keep America great on the... Uh, Poster, which ironically is coming out Fourth of July weekend, yep. uh, is another thing that there's. I just think they handled it really smartly, and it's a very uh, interesting franchise that's kind of come out of nowhere to become its own thing. Fans, it's not a gruesome series at all. If you really look at the storyline, it's a very great thriller in my opinion. It's not anything that kids should go see, but if you want a good story backline, especially for the second one, which I really enjoy, it's a really great thriller aspect. It's not gory or gruesome like you would think it would be. Check it out. It's, it's The Purge. We're trying to throw uh, free plugs into The Purge, but we want to get focused on wrestling here as July is a huge wrestling month. As we're going to try to talk about what we're excited about the most, um, just for some certain dates, it's not in any chronological order. Uh, we have the Cruiserweight Classic that's coming on the WWE Network starting July 13th. Of course, the first live SmackDown in the WWE Draft is going to be July uh, 19th. Battleground, in which two chains of myself, along with D-Wayne, will be there in attendance in D.C. on July 24th. UFC 200 is on July 9th. Then you got a couple of ROH and one of Women of Honor events coming up in the Baltimore area, both on July 8th. And then we have a Nova Wrestling event that's going to actually start out the month that's going to be next Friday, July 1st. So a lot of wrestling and a lot of sports-related stuff, both locally in the uh, DMV area and nationally, if you want to see a net correspondent based on different networks that you can view from. Um, Jamal, let's start with you. What, which event are you excited about the most as far as the different sport or wrestling events? Well, based on last night's, and, and a lot of people around the country won't get a, get a chance to see it till Wednesday, but if you caught uh, this weekend's uh, Ring of Honor television, 
it was an all-woman show, which is something that I was on uh, talking about last time I was on here a few weeks ago, and that's something that I want to see more of. Uh, the work was better than most, mm-hmm. not the greatest thing ever, but it's definitely promising, and I want to see what they go with that and, and further down the road. So I'm very excited about the uh, July 8th Woman of Honor special, which will be before their uh, uh, live event in Baltimore, in South Baltimore, on, on July 8th. It's, it's going to be a lot of uh, interesting things, and if I can be objective for a minute, uh, we have Beta Scott and Taylor Hendricks in the building at the same time. It's, it's going to be a good night. <laughs> Are you going to be front row and center for that? Yes. I'm, I'm going to be in the ring if they let me. <laughs> <laughs> just, don't, just don't get kicked out in the gym. I got to get on the ball. First of all, I'm definitely going to have to attend this ROA show in Baltimore. There's no question there. And um, yeah, also, I wouldn't say I'm most excited, but I definitely want to attend that. I want to attend the Nova Pro Wrestling as well. I mean, we get our man Donovan Dijak there, uh, Cedric Alexander, in the, who's in yeah. the Cruiserweight Classic. And again, we get another dose of Vita Scott. Yep. So, so for, for, for $50, <laughs> we get... A lot of local, uh, a, a lot of good showing locally around us. Can cannot beat that. But um, um, I'm I'm excited to see uh, the NST July tapings. Uh, we obviously get that Austin Aries Patrick Clark uh, match. Um, the Samoa Joe versus Rhino, which you know, it's good to see Rhino come back. Not because I'm such a huge fan of Rhino, but because you get to see um, who's going to start filling in places for uh, the top few for NXT because that was my biggest curiosity after a while. Of course, you know, we are projecting that Nakamura is going to be that next top guy. But then again, how long are we expected to see Nakamura on NXT? So, you know, that was my that was my biggest thing. And then moving forward with Nakamura, we get to see that Nakamura versus Baylor match that's going to be, Baylor match that's going to be uh, also shown uh, in July for tapings as well. I guess my question is about NXT. Uh, what is it now? Is it still developmental? It was supposed to be the end of a new era, or, or like, where, where are they now? I are think, we still expecting okay. guys to go forward and move up to the main roster? I think we, I think we have to honestly give in to Shane McMahon's riddles, where every week he has something like different to kind of throw at us to make us think different ways. And, and what I mean by this is just saying that. We really don't know because I don't think they entirely know exactly how they want to do it. Of course, they said that NXT roster is going to be fully um, pickable. Or, or, uh, wrestlers are able to be uh, selected from. But again, what does that actually mean about the NXT brand after that? I mean, do they do they come in as sort of part timers for the for the main slots or what? I mean, again, like you, Jamal, I don't have the answer. But again, it just seems to just be like they don't know. We don't know. Maybe we shouldn't think about it. Well, WWE wants to make sure they don't try to make NXT a TNA Part 2 because if you're signing a whole bunch of these TNA talents, are you trying to push them up to the main roster or you want to build them through NXT where your WWE programming can get used to them? So you think about EY or even Bobby Roode, James Storm, Samoa Joe, just to name a few names, that's all been on NXT, but none of them have even hinted that they could possibly be coming up to the main roster, even though they're, no, they're credible you know, wrestlers. So I think that's a great question. I think WWE needs to make sure if they need to reboot in a way that it still makes sure it's developmental, because they do have a lot of people in their uh, performance center that they're using and trying to build up people like Aaliyah, um, the people like Tino Sabatelli that, that can make themselves known 
if they continue to still use it as a development of market and don't try to overhype it with too many mainstream names because you're going to have a, a weird three-way promotion. And I think that's what the WWE Network needs to do is continue to bring that development and make people want to always look at that minor league per se of wrestling. But how do you reset? Because as a minor league baseball fan, when it's a play, it's kind of like congratulations, you have graduated to the pros, go get your Hall of Fame career. But then we're expecting the new crop to come up. We're expecting the draft uh, from the high school into college and the college into the pros. And NXT doesn't seem to be that. As they're signing these veterans, mm-hmm. that it's not AJ Styles, you know, 35, uh, 36, 37-year-old guys that have made a career on the indies, TNA, or failed WWE projects, and they're bringing them back to NXT. And now that they have kind of taken over full sale, then what? Because, a lot, as we said before, a lot of the gimmicks on NXT are made for NXT and doesn't exactly translate to the main roster as we've seen the extension, Bo Dallas, Tyler Breeze, and it takes a lot to make that transition to the main roster. So if you're not grooming them to be on SmackDown and Raw via NXT, then what are they there for? You know what, Jamal, let me... No way, Jose. He'd be a perfect example of that. You know what, Jamal, let me ask you another question then, too. Actually, this is a two-part question to the two of y'all. So we do got the Cruiserweight Classic, which is going to air July 13th. First off, who are you guys excited to see? And from... Um, history with the WWE uh, with, um, I'm about to say Battleground, with Tough Enough, um, you see that people that become popular also end up becoming um, part of the NXT roster by either getting some developmental contract or actually a full-blown NXT contract, whatever it may be. So I'm expecting sure. to see some of the bigger names still stick with it on the NXT roster or, the develop- or, on a, or a contract for the performance center, whatever it may be. Who are you excited to see, and and where do you think that these group of people, where do they go from after this? I'm huge for Cedric Alexander. I'm, I'm a huge mark for him. I think he's very, very undervalued, both as a heel and a face. And just going back to when we saw him in Baltimore, two chains, when he had fought Moose, um, and I think that was Death Before Dishonor when that was the event that we saw last year in Baltimore. The storytelling that he did with Moose in that ring was just very great. And, of course, Moose still being very developmental himself, um, I, I guess Cedric kind of took him under the wing and like made Moose look really good in that match. And I and I, I hope I hope Cedric gets a chance to shine bright in this cruiserweight classic because he could be somebody that could do great for NXT. Somebody that's been in the indie circuit but still young enough where he can make his name for himself. But then, as you said, try to bring in a, a higher level name, maybe like a Bobby Roode, maybe like an Eric Young to go with to try to push him up the elevator since Eric Young is already a high name. Uh, in the wrestling business, that you can use uh, Cedric Alexander to try to work those two together and make a story out of those, and that way you're building up Cedric's character. So I'm I'm huge on Cedric Alexander. I'm rooting for him. I know he's going to be in the Nova uh, wrestling event. Um, if I get a chance to go there and and stop uh, wasting my time and make sure I get on these tickets, I definitely would like to see him root for him. Yeah, I guess I would like to add to that and say that Cedric Alexander, if given the proper time to to grow, could be the Black Chris Jericho. Yeah, I think that exactly. he has you know, the, the moveset, uh, the skill set uh, to do really will work with any matter of talent that he wants. And he's great on the mic. He has a good look. I mean, Cedric Alexander can't go wrong with that. But as far as this, uh, the Cruiserweight Classic, who I'm going to see, honestly, I got goosebumps when I heard that when I saw Kota Ibushi appear on my television. Oh, man. And the WWE logo was next to him. And that was uh, for NXT Dallas. That was the best text I've ever got. So, yeah, you saw my face after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess 
I'm a huge fan of Yoshihiro Tajiri uh, for a long time. I mean, the dude's like over 40 years old and he's still going strong, mm-hmm. slapping the heck out of his uh, his thigh to get uh, that kick over. But <laughs> I want to see how he's going to move against these young guys. Um, Zack Sabre Jr. is amazing. Uh, and Rich Juan. I mean, shout out to Baltimore right now. Rich Juan. I heard that he stole the show in the spoilers for um, the Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, can't say if he won or lost, but Rich Juan is a person that I've always loved seeing, uh, either in MCW uh, here in Maryland, the Maryland area, or in a Ring of Honor and uh, another indie promotions around the country. All right. Yeah, um... I tried to stay away from the spoilers, but I took a quick look and I was just like, ooh, I cannot I wait. Can't I wait. It. It, it, yeah. But as far as like, where, where do they go from there? Uh, apparently, it's just going to lead to a trophy. Uh, personally, I would like to see that become a belt and that winner just takes it back to its country and defends it every year. That would be like the revitalization of the old territory system where it's bigger than the NWA now and it's worldwide. And if you can have Zack Sabre Jr. win it, you know, let's just say, and he takes it back to England with him and works his shows and works in Japan or wherever he goes, he's going to be that champion until next year when they have it. And maybe an American team, an American can bring it back. Maybe Gargano can win it or somebody else that we don't know yet can bring that belt home to his country, to his promotion. And I think that would be kind of cool because it makes it a bit organic. And it takes a, it adds a little bit of a mystery to it because sure, they have to work the match. And it is what it is, who wins or loses, but... Just the, the pride in knowing that you're a over, uh, b in the WWE's mind, and also uh, taking that belt home to your respective uh, promotions is a good deal. Now let let me ask you this. With that being said, because you just you just threw a light bulb off in my head. What if everybody who's under contract with NST is drafted? Because that's what the contract is. You can't break it. You know that money is sorted the way they want it to make sure everything is budgeted right going in, going into the end of the year. What if everybody in the Cruiserweight Classic, if if you know the WWE find, deems it enough to give them some sort of a formal contract where? They do have the rights to do whatever whatever they want to do as far as indie promotions or whatever, but they also can be scheduled to work NXT as if NXT will be branded as its own indie show. So that well, so it's kind of like the schedule that Gargano has now. Um, he's working some shows, uh, you know, some indie shows. He's going to be in Cleveland next weekend working an indie show. Tommaso Ciampa is going to be working a couple indie shows, but they just need to be back in Florida for when they take NXT. So I don't right. see why that couldn't happen. So you, I think it's very, very possible. So you, do yeah. you think? So you, do you think that's the answer with NST? NST is now going to the end. Like that's it. Now we're about to just see NST as not a developmental league, but just as an indie show. I think they've set the blueprint for that, and that would make sense. But they would have to uh, travel more too, right? If they had to set themselves as their own indie promotion, like they would have to be outside of Florida for a good part of the country. I mean, a good part of the year too. To make but they are like that. Yeah, they but are. How, how, how often do they travel? Is it like just once a month? I, I'm not sure the whole NXT official schedule, like how much they travel outside of Florida. But I know they do most of their recordings in Florida. Like I would say about 70% of their shows are done in Florida. Yeah, I think that well, yeah, I think they do like have a similar schedule to Ring of Honor, where they'll mm-hmm. tape a show once you know every three or four weeks, and then you know try, maybe they'll travel to Texas. I think they're coming. That's coming up, and they're going to be in the South, like Birmingham and uh, New Orleans. That's going to be coming up. They're going back to Indianapolis um, and Columbus uh, later, and for like so they do these weekend trips, 
how they take the Florida, and that's what the A team does, and the B team just circles Florida. So some truck stop off of I-4, they'll be there next right. Thursday, and a Krispy Kreme down in Opelika, they'll be there Tuesday <laughs> afternoon, so... Sounds good. That's that's exciting. That's exciting for sure. Let's take this point and try to transition to things that's going around that we talked about in our uh, podcast before in previous episode. Uh, Me Too Teams and Aaron just did a mock draft two of of what the WWE draft is coming coming out. I'm going to come into WWE draft in two different angles. I want to try to link in UFC 200 with the live draft that's coming on Tuesday, which is also the first SmackDown. So. Right before we went on air, uh, Jamal, you brought up some news to us that I want you to put on uh, for our fans to hear. And, of course, it probably will come out more by the time the fans get to listen to this. But what news did you just uh, tell us before we went on air, Jamal? So I was uh, looking at the dirt sheets, and a reporter came through on Zone that said that uh, a radio station in Worcester, Massachusetts, I know I'm butchering the name, I don't live there and I don't care. <laughs> but they are uh, promoting that Brock Lesnar is going to be at the July 19th SmackDown from the arena in Worcester, and I think that's interesting to set names that are going to be there for the uh, for the draft, and, and also that the draft is going to be on SmackDown and not Raw. And that's, yes, it is. That's, yeah, that's and again the other biggest thing is that's ten days after um, um, UFC 200, where that's a pivotal moment for Brock Lesnar as far as his character in the WWE because. Like we said on a previous episode, if Brock takes a loss here, am I even invested in him coming to the draft? Do I even care what happens to his storyline? I'd rather him. I'd rather him be. He's going to have to be reestablished and rebuilt as the beast, you know, before we can believe he is still the beast of before. Considering that he wipes everybody else under the mat in the WWE and then goes to get mopped in the in the UFC in the UFC. And the biggest thing about this is. I, that's going to be a three-round fight. That is not going to go three rounds. I will put all my money on that. That One of those dudes is going to land something. It's going to be over within one of those first two rounds. That's it. But, again, that shows you how dramatic that if he loses like that, do I care? If he wins, yes. So, sign me up for it. The difference is, is that if he, if he, whether he loses or wins, Brock Lesnar doesn't have to do anything because he has the greatest manager of the last decade and Paul Heyman absolutely. to speak for him. That, I don't care if Brock Lesnar gets absolutely destroyed and literally leaves a piece of himself in the ring um, at the two, UFC 200, or if he wins you know, convincingly. Paul Heyman will, does, can sell ice water to <laughs> people in hell and make a killing because he's that good. You know, and that's what, he's gonna, that's what it's going to take for Brock to get over. I, told, I totally agree, but man, I'm telling you, Paul Heyman is going to have to bring it. You know what I mean? Paul Paul Heyman is going to almost have to be almost have to be uh like um oh man, I'm driving a blank. Uh what's his name that defended um defended the juice, OJ. Oh, Johnny Cocker. Johnny Cocker. He's going to have to bring it. You know what I mean? But I got you. Considering that we haven't seen him in 6 months. Yeah. I don't see why that. Um, but I think that's the perfect outlet for Paul Heyman to bring himself established or establish himself again with this type of new era. And, and I even alluded to this on the mock draft that he could probably actually run the show that Brock Lesnar is on that makes it more intriguing to, I guess, better his beast in the impossible. But that's again, if he wins, if he loses, that hurts all credibility. And you probably have to scrap whatever you had for him in that draft episode to try to reshape it, as you said, to change to make sure he sells a great promo to 
make you believe in Brock again, which I think is very possible regardless. Yeah. And um, another thing, too, side note, too, Brock will be using his uh, WWE theme music upon entering uh, the UFC, which is cool for the fans. Another cross-promotion, as we mentioned before in the previous episode, 2 chains. So, what? once again, Dana and Vince can probably do something huge here if they try to market the right way. Now, let, let's, let's forward a little bit. This is outside of July. For UFC 203, the CM Punk uses his WWE theme when he comes out for his match. No. Or do you think he comes out with something totally different? No, because as far as I as far as I've seen, they haven't even been listing him as CM Punk. Now I have seen some posters recently saying CM Punk, but again I'm um, follow, I'm following wrestling blogs when I'm looking at that. But upon his um Q and A's and um other things that he's done before, he's been as Phil Brooks. Gotcha. But isn't his theme music from WWE an actual song? Like it I don't is. think that was in house. No, right. That's so, a good point. I didn't even think of that. It's just a matter of licensing that song for the end. Didn't and even think of that. Because I, when you license, well, not license, when you have a, a group like Living Color who's performed at WrestleMania for CM Punk, they're using it as Living Color getting promotion or getting a payday for that. They're not saying, oh, WWE, you have rights to our song. So that's a very interesting point, Jamal, that, you know, WWE has probably has no rights in that song, and he killed music because he used that in ROH as well when he did his ROH days, right? Oh, by the way, too, yeah. yeah. And when I when I went to, like, a couple of Wizards game and a, and a Nats game, they played, like, during oh, breaks. Yeah. So and it's on NBA 2K16, so yeah, you're it's right. a very popular song that is out right now and very relevant. Yeah, yeah. same thing with Daniel Bryan's theme and Ric Flair's theme. These are... Themes that are not owned uh, collectively by WWE, you know, Ride of the Valkyries is like 200 years old. It's probably, you know, that's not nothing to uh, just license the song for an event. You're right. Rate, review, and subscribe to the Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Connect with us on all of our platforms, bgbgroup.tumblr.com at BGB Group on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Big Gold Belt. Let's, let's transition to another event that we want to touch on just very briefly. And, and I want to touch on just one person out this pay-per-view. I know we'll come to this pay-per-view and I'm talking about Battle Round on July 24th. Two chains, I'm going to come to you first. Is this a make-or-break career this month for Roman Reigns? Does this make or break his career? No. They don't. They invested. No, it doesn't matter. They invested so much in this guy that they'll have uh they'll have some type of um backup plan for him and he he's been there playing for about a year and a half now. They're not gonna let one little setback, you know, because I mean, arguably this suspension is a lesser of an injury, so I'm sure they're totally doable for this. Even they probably even had a plan if he would have got injured or anything. But he'll be fine. It's not going to make a difference. Look, kids don't know because they're not reading this stuff. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. On the, on the website, they're protecting him. Um, some articles don't even have him listed as Ronan Reigns, just his full name. So he's right. being protected. As long as the kids buy his merch, they're fine. But that's actually the reason why I think that this is the, not necessarily the end, but the decline of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Which may not have lasted as long as the Divas Revolution, but uh, yeah, rest in peace to both of those. Um, and the reason why I say that is because for a year and a half they've been shoving this guy down our throats, and yeah. not only has he been just unmercifully slaughtered by the audience, um, 
the, the money isn't there either. As the reports come out every week on the dirt sheets, whose tour is doing better? Ambrose is leading the tour for live events. Roman Reigns is leading the tour for live events. And Ambrose is uh, winning by a two-to-one margin as far as attendance. And attendance means merch money. And that's been that way for like a year. If you can't go. I remember reading something like that like last year, like in December too. So I think that, you know, after being uh, undercut for so long, this may be the time to pull the plug because you got to remember, in spite of all of the, uh, the uh, getting popped for the drug violation, he still lost cleanly to Seth Rollins, which means that, if you, especially if you're Baron Corbin, uh, for the way he got um, ousted in NXT, he doesn't really have a, a right to battleground anyway. Uh, he lost cleanly. So, if anything, the title should have been between Seth and Dean Ambrose, which is a fight that everybody wants to see. So, so going on that point, let me come right back to you with this question, uh, Jamal. If, if this happens to Roman, where it's basically the fall of the Roman Empire, could this be the biggest rise to fall of one particular wrestler in WWE history? No. And, uh, I'm not even going to let him answer that. No. Jack Swagger, easily. Really? What do you mean, really? But, Your man was, was. I mean, I don't think Jack Swagger got as high as Roman or where they're pushing Roman. They, I don't think the company went behind Jack. They, they gave him that little B level push where he got a world title and that was it. But, I mean, he's still hanging in there. But if you talk about a guy that you want to make a, like, like even Jamal Lou before, like a Cena, the next Cena, and he's not getting a merch. He's been a three time world heavyweight title right now or, or champion right now. And then he gets a suspension and can fall to basically the end of his push and maybe be a, a glorified jobber at this point? Possibly. I'm not saying that's a far stretch. You don't think that'd be a bigger aspect than what happened to Jack? I, I think unless the fans are completely invested behind this push and, and everything gets worked conventionally the way they're foreseeing it, then it was not even effective or, um, you can say, successful overall. And Ronan Reigns is still a work in pro- progress. I mean, he wasn't... He wasn't going to be solidified or this this push wasn't going to be a success unless he went heel and the fans either booed him like he was supposed to be or cheered him like he's supposed to be but there's why he's a face he's being booed and that's not the reaction they want wrestlemania the main event they didn't want that to happen and we booed him out the gym and by all means even when i watch it on the network i feel like it's a little bit toned down because it was so loud from the booze in there i was like this is totally ridiculous like this is not how this should have ended which is mean that is a failed project in my eyes jazz swagger i feel like from from his gimmick first of all the usa gimmick is always a cheat because everybody's always going to get behind it but then with the manager as well with the money in the bank everything was in place for him to be the guy that you could not wait for him to become the champion then he caught then he caught the um the marijuana chart and it was a rap. Never seen him. He's still on the roster right now, by the way, and he has not recovered ever since then. He might even ran that might even fit him to John Cena, if I'm not mistaken. But they like that's that's typically the end. When they're like, Alright, this guy's done, he's off our radar, give him to Cena, end of story. Yep. I think right. Nathan Nathan Jones would be in that category as well. <laughs> I just brought him up. I just brought him up. Where he, um, they they wanted him to be that guy, and they brought him over. They it was an um, Australian, you know, guy. He was super huge in, uh, in other, um, you know, avenues, and he went over like a wet fart in church. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's. Yeah, but you can say that about other guys too, like John Heidenreich. 
No. Um, Gene Sinski. No. Ron Strowman. No. Um, you know, Vince Mason has Ryan. Mason. Oh my God, Mason Ryan. Jesus. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Uh, you know, so it's it's obviously interesting to see who goes far in this business and what works and what doesn't. Um, as we again talked about the transition from NXT to the main roster, but as far as Roman Reigns specifically, um, it's too, maybe too early to call him a failure. This drug charge is not helping him out. But then again, he's not Randy Orton because Randy Orton was like, "Okay, I see y'all in a month." And he's still <laughs> Very true. 60 days? Cool. Uh, cool. 60 days, I have to say yeah. that I see the same future, not not the suspension, but I see the same future of failure for Big Cass. Oh, no. No, 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 no. No, no, don't do that to him. Don't, no. It's too early. Way too early. Um, no, I, I think that um, the difference between Colin Cassidy and, uh, and a lot of the other guys, and even Roman Reigns, is because they packaged him with Enzo Amore, who is a great mouthpiece, he really doesn't need to wrestle. He's the Xavier Woods. Right, that actually right. into a ring. And then if, when and if Carmella comes up, that's another thing that they can have to, to boost him up. But, but Cassidy doesn't really need to speak anything. Hold on. He's seven foot tall. You can't teach that. Hold on, but Nathan Jones was with The Undertaker. And look what I got him. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. I don't think it matters who you're with. I think I just think that I just think that Vince's formula for his type of guys have been a complete history of failures. A history of failure, I'm not entirely sure, but I think that you know, for uh, for Colin Cassidy and Enzo Amore, as long as they can stay together and have Enzo prop him up, he'll be he'll be just fine. Unless he like you know, when they when they break when they break up and God forbid they get split by the uh, brand extension or the draft. <laughs> Yeah. Then um, if 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 the uh, Enzo and Big Cass break up, start the clock. Yeah. Because his career is a wrap. When uh, Winston Fist got injured, when uh, Enzo got injured and Big Cass had mic work, I was like, "What? There we have it, y'all. <laughs> here, here it starts right now." Yeah, the, the Doomsday Clock was officially on on watch. <laughs> yeah. um, start the clock. It's eleven fifteen. He doesn't have much time left. He is, his three minute warning starts now. Cue the music. I hope it wasn't the same timeline that they had on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. I mean, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles oh, 1, the first one. Okay. That would have been an epic failure. Um, I had to put a side pun to it. I love my turtles. Um, <laughs> just a couple of other little dates of stuff that's happening in July that, you know, just so we can move on real quick. Uh, the New Japan starts their G1 climax at uh, 26 uh, in July. Mm-hmm. July yeah. 13th, I think it was. I forget. I didn't even have it down. Uh, the Maryland Pro Wrestler has the, the Shane Shamrock, which is uh, July 16th, which is um, going to have appearances by Lex Luger and Steam, which is cool. Um, yeah. And Jamal Malachu take over over the... Oh, yeah, one more thing. And, um, the Revolution Pro Wrestling got a couple of events, which is cool because um, on the Summer Sizzler event, July 10th, we're going to get Moose, um, Ishii, and um, uh, Shibata. So that should be cool. And Jamal, what will you be going to this month? Why you're not going to Battleground? So and why? I live about three miles from the Verizon Center here in Washington, D.C. I pass it every day on the work. And wild horses couldn't drag me into that building for WWE's Battleground. <laughs> and the reason why is because it's the same reason why I don't eat dinner at McDonald's. I mean, I could eat there. It's fine. It's, it's a good you know place to go. But I want a bit more quality. 
And for my money, the same weekend, I'm going to be up in Toronto, Ontario, Canada for the Smash Wrestling uh, show and Jakara, which is based out of Philadelphia. Uh, they're doing two, Chikara's doing two shows on uh, July 24th, and Smash versus Chikara's July 25th, and that's going to be a great weekend of wrestling. Um, I, I haven't looked at any of the uh, promos at any events. Um, I know Johnny Gargano is going to be at the Smash show, which, thank you, but it, I, I just want to see good quality wrestling, and WWE, since WrestleMania hasn't given me quality wrestling, you could argue that they haven't for a long time, but they definitely haven't since WrestleMania. And even though the draft is very interesting, and it will be interesting to see how it goes, Battleground isn't even a draft pay-per-view. Nope. It will be the last one for both uh, brands after, uh, until the draft starts, which is, I thought was interesting. But, yeah, I just want to see some good wrestling. That's a good point. And as we wrap this up, um, let's let's do this. I'm gonna go around the horn and, and ask for a hype meter. You know, one being real low and ten being very hyped, just based on the overall aspect of this month. And I'll start with you first, Jamal. Uh, what is your hype meter from a one through ten about the different wrestling components of this month? Are you excited at a ten? Or are you a low at a one? Where's your where's your meter? I'm at an eight because personally, I'm gonna see a lot of good wrestling uh, kicking off with Nova Pro in, on July 1st, and then ROH. Two big shows there, uh, and then personally, my weekend in Toronto for three big shows that weekend. Um, this has turned out to be a really exciting month, especially since July. There really isn't going on a lot going on. Two chains. How about you? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with eight as well too. Um, I'm 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 going to tag along for the Nova Pro Wrestling. I got to get ROH and um, and then I'm going to Battleground. Battleground. You know, I'm excited to go see it. I pulled the trigger on it as soon as it came out as well. Um, I think we do, uh, on paper right now, we do have um, SummerSlam caliber matches, but if it delivers, it's the big thing. So, you know, either way, whatever with the WWE. But for the other two shows, I mean, look, for $50 for two shows, and uh, wasn't Cody Rose supposed to be in one of these shows? Yeah, I, th I thought he was supposed to be the noble one, if I can remember correctly. Or did they? Or did maybe, they push the date maybe, back? Maybe, maybe, I know he was soon as soon as they released him, he 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 got signed for a Nova show, and I can't remember which one it was, but it doesn't make a difference because when that comes, that's going to be another twenty five dollars of just you know good wrestling in, in our neighborhood. So you know, I'm I'm excited because again, July ain't too much. Fourth of July, that's about it. Uh, beginning of summer, but a lot of good um, quality wrestling for not too much money. So about an eight for me. Uh, for me, I put it as an ace so we can have aces in the eight so we can bring TNA some credibility to this podcast <laughs> so we can keep them alive. That's their first um, mention tonight. That is their first mention, but just kidding. I would say mine is an eight as well. Um, it, I, to me, it's kind of funny because I have seen Capital Punishment. I have seen different Raw shows all in D.C., so I'm just hoping this could probably be one of the better versions of D.C. pay-per-views that's been you know coming to D.C. for the Rising Center because I'm I'm kind of with you, Jamal. Uh, sometimes the DC crowd kind of does it for me, how it's not credible at all. It's too family-oriented. I wish it was more adult fans to come in there to the DC crowd, but that's how people say about the DC sports scenes as areas where it's really not really a big sports town. And that's, that's the worst sports town in America. It, I'm not trying to put a shoot against DC sports or DC fans, but it's like we don't have no Chicago live events. We don't have any, like, uh, New York-type events or Brooklyn-type events where you can get really excited as a huge wrestling fan, even though... You can say that Maryland bleeds, you know, wrestling promotions, and we build up people from scratch in different wrestling promotions within the state. So it's kind of sad that 
DC can't offer better quality. But hopefully, with Battleground, especially with the draft coming, even though this is not a, a branded show, this is a still last combined show, as Jamal said, I'm just very hopeful that Battleground can at least set the standard of what our future pay-per-views will look like, closing one storylines or starting new ones as we go to our different shows. Um, fellas, any last words as we wrap this up? I, I definitely want to poke, poke Jamal on one other uh, topic that I don't think we touched on too much, but um, uh, we talked about it before air, and how do you feel about the discrepancy as far as with Ronan Reigns suspension versus Titus O'Neil's? Uh, first of all, free Titus. I know it's been a thing already, but uh, <laughs> just because the war's over doesn't mean that Titus still has, isn't uh, freed. I think that there is, it is interesting that uh, crossing the boss, and you do not cross the boss apparently, um, could get you fired immediately and then reduced to 60 days versus your first drug uh, possession charge. It's interesting that 30 days is fine for me as far as like a suspension. It's a good uniform place to start. Mm -hmm. I think given Roman's uh, status in the company, however, from a storyline standpoint, they should actually use that. This is the most most interest that people have had in Roman Reigns since (laughs) the show broke up. (laughs) I mean, nobody's been talking about everybody's been talking about Roman Reigns in such a negative light unless you're under the age of 12. But (laughs) people generally want to know what's going down with Roman Reigns. How is he going to come back um, from this when his suspension is over in uh, July 20th or 22nd or whatever it is? How will he show the battleground? Personally, I don't think he should wrestle a battleground. I think he'd just be mean weather from a booth and from a suite in the Verizon Center, knowing that he blew his chance. And if people could see that, maybe they'll be sympathetic towards him and then get the hype going for SummerSlam. Oh. Well, that makes sense, so they're not going to do that. You know what? And that is that would be so perfect because this show with Trooper Threat is premature to me. I agree. And man, that's a very interesting point. Book it. Book it. Nah, nah, nah. I just we want we're gonna have to change Jamal's status from our guest to um to family, our, our resident family host. <laughs> Y'all can see that. And, but. and with that, <laughs> and with that, uh, Jamal, go ahead and plug your your Twitter's man. Always want to get your promotions out there for everything that you do and, and the different uh, media avenues that you adventure in. You know, go ahead and plug yourself, man. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at giant underscore K-R-A-B-B, giant crab. That's me. I like crabs. That's big. Uh, realfilmnews.com, R-E-E-L, filmnews.com. I remain room reviewer there. I'm covering Otakon in Baltimore for your anime fans out there. I'm covering uh, Awesome Con, met Ron Simmons, great guy. Got a bunch of stuff signed by him. Uh, my, Otakon, my Awesome Con recap is up there. And I got a ton of movies this week to see including one that I want to review uh, that I want to watch after this is over tonight is coming out later this month. So realfilmnews.com, catch me on Twitter at John Graff. But I do have one question. What do you, what does SmackDown need to do to be better than Raw? <laughs> they oh, be- that's a good question. They, they better, they better draft like, uh, like the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> they better, they better, uh-huh. they better trade some picks or something, but they, that's the only way they're going to have to, you know, look, if they keep if they keep SmackDown as a second tier show, it's completely foolish to me. Why go live if you're still gonna be just that how that basically publicized house show that all the faces win? They need to they need to be able to bring some real like Kevin Owens needs to run SmackDown. That's that's my solution right I there. Personally, I think they need to be like the National League of baseball, where maybe they do the same thing but a little bit different, maybe institute a twenty count. Or maybe have tell people that there is a time limit for this match. 
Could you imagine a good point? Uh, could you imagine a um, uh, number one contender match with a 15 minute time limit that ends the show and time runs out before there's a fall? That's I mean, the point. implications uh, that could set up some storytelling angles that hasn't really been done in a while. That's a great point. And, and I was always a huge fan of SmackDown because back when SmackDown was a uh, thing I used to look forward to on Thursday or Friday nights back when it first started, I always thought SmackDown's wrestling would always be about wrestling. Like, it would have the greater matches as far as the in-ring capability, the in-ring storytelling. I mean, if you think about the MVP and Mr. Kennedy days, you built two legitimate superstars during that SmackDown realm that, that was great during that time, and it was built on wrestling and their promotion through wrestling. Uh, but that's a great point about the 20 count and the time limit that you can do just to switch it up differently. Once again, great comparison with the AL and the NL. Same thing, but just a different type of league that if you have any cross promotions, hey, Raw guys, if you ever come on SmackDown, you got to play by our rules. And that's a whole adjustment that they might not be used to that can be used for storyline purposes. So I think that's a great component. And for like a, an event like Survivor Series where you have the one versus the other teams, where those SmackDown rules will come into play, uh, that could definitely make things interesting from a storyteller perspective in the ring. Awesome, awesome, awesome. But on behalf of Jamal, a.k.a. Uh, at John Crab, we just thank you, as always, for coming on with your insights. On behalf of 2 Chains, this is Silly Sellers. Make sure you check us out at BGE Group on Twitter, and make sure you check us out on SoundCloud. Please rate, review, and uh, subscribe to us, and we got more episodes to come, but this is episode 100, so a new celebration. Uh, we're going to bring you 100 more and much more to come, so keep checking us out, fans, and thank you for listening.